Good evening, everyone. Thank you for coming. I'd like to first acknowledge the Larrakia people of whose beautiful country we have gathered. And it was also in this beautiful country is the day that I got shot. I was 37 years old, <laughs> but I survived because I'm here to share that story. But before we go there, I'd like to take you back to a very special place where I work. It was East Arm Leposarium. I loved that place. It was a place where a lot of people came in. They had leprosy. Those days there was a lot of stigma around it. But it was a very beautiful, special place. We would have people come in there. They might lose their legs. They would have clawed hands, missing fingers. But they were very strong people. That's where I feel I got a lot of my strength and power. You would see them come in, strap on the artificial leg and then walk out proud and strong. They never ever once played victim, poor bugger me. And it was very, very important that I share that story with you. I also took my boys with me to work. So we weren't staff and patient. We were East Arm mob, we were family. And as my son said, that's right, mum, we were East Arm family. But then a time came when they were closing East Arm. So I spoke to the health minister and said, I wanted to still look after the people that decided to stay in Darwin. So he said, what do you want to do? I said, I want to start a mobile clinic. Well, it just so happened there was the new boss of the health department there, so I was able to start my mobile clinic working out of Bagot. But it was also during that time there was something else happening in my world, and it was domestic violence. I was with the second husband of mine, not my boy's dad, and he always threatened that if I ever tried to leave him, he would shoot me. And you think, yeah, right. How many people say that, will you? But it, a lot of it happened when he'd been drinking. You know, we would be out or he'd come home and he had been drinking and then things would get into an argument and then sometimes, you know, they want sex, so you give them sex, anything for peace, just to shut them up. And like blokes, sorry, you men, they go sleep, so we got peace. <laughs> sorry, you blokes. And that, but that was some of the things that I had to do. A lot of things my sons didn't know. You know, I ended up with torn ligament in my shoulder. He came up behind me one day with the towel and said, I'm going to kill you, you bitch. But no way in the world was I going to let this man take me away from my boys. There was a time when he'd been drinking and something had happened and he pushed me out of the house. So it was the first time I'd ever spoke to the cops. The neighbours had heard the commotion, so they had asked, do you want me to call the police? And I said, yes, please, because my boys were inside. So they rang the police, but in those days it was very different. The police couldn't come in the yard and he knew this. 
So he rang the duty sergeant who was on that night and then you heard it come over the radio that the police had to leave. They didn't want to go, but they had to. They said, is there anywhere we can take you? And I said, my sister lives around the corner, but I can't go because my boys, they're inside. So I always knew that eventually I'll have to go. But when the time was right, because he always threatened to hurt my sons to keep me there. So a time came when my youngest son was away with his dad on holidays. My oldest son was working and he was still in Darwin and we were home. And my husband came home and he'd been drinking and then carrying on. And yeah, one sex. So anyhow, for peace, I said, well, go and have a shower then. So he went to have a shower, came back with this smart look on his face and said something about he'd gone into the room where my oldest son had been and said something. Well, I lost it then. I said, I told you, don't go in there. Leave my boy alone. So we got into it and it's the first time I ever called out for my eldest son. He came running. I was on the floor. He was on top of me. And then he just looked at my son and told him to go away. But at that time he'd loosened his hold on me. So my son pulled me out and then we went running through the night at Sarong on then. So I thought, nah, that's it now. I'm not going back. So after a few weeks after that, I didn't go back to the house and then he rang me one day and he said, well, we need to talk. Why don't you come around the house? I said, yeah, good, go. I said, no, no, we'll meet somewhere else. So we met at the Oval. We asked to play hockey. And my earring must be still buried in the dirt, I reckon. So I thought, okay. I felt safe there. There were people playing on the field, some young fellas kicking the ball. I saw him talking to a friend of ours. I thought, oh, she must be here to mediate. So I'd gone over there, but she'd only just been out walking her dog. She didn't realise that we were no longer together because I kept a lot of this stuff hidden. So we started talking, he asking me to come back. And I said, no, nah, I can't, not anymore. He said, but we, you know, I'll change. And he was stone cold sober this day. And, you know, I'll change and we'll do these things. We had some really good times. I said, yeah, we did. I won't deny that. But lately, those times are few and far between and it's time for me to go. He was very emotional. He was crying. I felt sorry for him. So I said... Well, why don't I take you to a friend? He said, no, no, I'll be right. And then he got very calm. So he asked me to sign a couple of checks. I said, okay. So he put it on the back of the wheel hub of the Toyota twin cab we had. And as I went over, he pulled a pen out of his sock. And I reached over to start signing the check, but I didn't feel right. And I saw him at the corner of my eye go to the back of the car, hairs on the back of my neck stood up. So I went and I followed him and I said, you're right, yeah, yeah, and he lifted the yellow raincoat up and he pulled out a rifle. So we were wrestling around there. I just kept trying to keep it away from my head and the left side and hoping we'd run out of bullets or people would hear. 
But by the t this time, he then finally got me, much bigger than me. Next minute, I was on the ground and I felt plop. And the strange feeling in my chest was burning. I thought, oh my goodness, I've been shot. It felt all wet. And he was there trying to put another one in. Well, then pe people realised then, so they started running. A friend of mine I was there with, he came running, so he grabbed the rifle and threw away. And then someone said, oh, she's been shot. So then they took me, he took me up to the hospital, had x-rays, and then I said, oh, I need to get my eldest son. Don't say anything, just bring him up. Don't tell him his mother been shot, for goodness sake. So they brought him up. There was a nurse there and she said, oh, you want me to get you a priest? I said, oh, no, no, no. I got no intentions of dying tonight. I got places to go and people to see and things to do. So no, I'm not dying tonight. So I'm here sharing the story. But you know, the good things in this and all these changes, I was able to use my experiences, my lived experience, because it was my story. So when I would be out in later life with my work and I'd be talking with different groups about the damage, that alcohol does with family sometimes, I could talk about my story so they understood. I would be talking in the prison with the prisoners there, the men prisoners, and I would talk about what it felt like as a child, as a wife, and as a mother. And they would share their stories with me. Even one bloke said he remembered when his mum and dad were fighting and he was hiding under the car. I became known as the lady with the long hair and the sad stories. So, you know, all these things that happened, but the good news is the police can come into your yard now. We have women's refuges. And what was it that kept me strong? And how did I survive? because no way was I going to let someone take this power away from me. So I got up one day and I said, I need to go back to the house. I hadn't been back since that time when I ran away. Got to go back to the house. I need to get control of my life and I need to get rid of all the bad vibes. Only then can I start to get well. I had said to my eldest son who was working, I would really like you to come with me but I'll understand if you don't want to come back to the house. My youngest one will be coming with me because he was still at school. And my eldest son said, no, mum, I'll come back with you. So we went back and we all grew together and we all healed together. And mind you, when the boys grew up then with hockey, it became the party house. <laughs> so that's my story. And what gave me my strength? My sons. Thank you for listening.